Welcome to Let's Get Lit Podcast. The podcast where they let anybody have a podcast these days. Exactly. <laughs> Read all about it. Oh, that's cute. I know. Maybe that should have been our tagline. It's not too late. We could go back and pretend that we had it planned this way all along. I know. I'm not good at lying to the people, though. I know. Now they know that our secret is out. I can't find my glasses. Well, that's going to make it hard for you to read because you're pretty blind without them, Brandy. I know. Not Star. Not Star in her 2020 vision. <laughs> what book are we reading? We are reading A Place for Us by Fatima Farine Mirza. I was going to start off with some fun facts about the book. Or should oh, I yeah, start about with why we do. picked it? You start off with whatever feels okay. right to you. I'll start off with fun facts. So They better be fun. They better this, be factual. No alternative facts here. This is uh, the first imprint from Sarah Jessica Parker's publishing company? What is it? Her, like... So, I think she has an imprint with... Is it Hogarth? Hogarth, yeah. Yeah. She's so this a, is the first book she's publishing? Okay, this is the first book she's publishing for her imprint with Hogarth. I've never heard the word imprint used like that before, so I just didn't really know what I it thought meant. you had watched the TV show Younger. I did. They So they talk about this because they have their own imprint of this greater publishing company, which is where mm. I learned of this whole situation, too. That makes sense, but I think it... I, I like Younger's a TV over show, it. by the way. You should watch it. It's great. Yeah, they read it has in there too. Hillary Duff in it. Hillary Duff, and not playing Lizzie McGuire, but no. almost. Yeah, pretty much. It's like if Lizzie McGuire grew, grew up. Grew up. Yep. She. Do, I mean, she does really good at that one character. Yeah. She's got it nailed. Yeah. Also, in a Cinderella story, she's still <sighs> Lizzie McGuire, but like Lizzie McGuire, who has really been put upon. Yeah. In her suburban it's life. It's basically like if Lizzie McGuire turned left or right. That's a Cinderella story, or. TV show younger. Yeah. I digress. Return um, to the facts, man. So I was going to say, I guess the word imprint in that show is like, you know when you're reading and there's a word that you don't know, but mm-hmm. you understand what the sentence means, so you just... You understand the meaning. Yeah, you don't have to like look it up because you're like, I just understand basically what it means in this context. But if I was asked to specifically define what that word was, I don't know what You'd it would be. Like, be. I don't know, but let me read you this sentence and then just like aggressively move your hands and be like, so it means that, you that know? That was the story of my entire SATs. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's hard to do that in multiple choice, I know. but you I made like, it to college and grad school. You I figured it out. So I snuck through the system. <laughs> uh, there was also the first book by Fatima. Mm-hmm. And how old is she? Do you know? I was going to tell you that's my fun fact. Oh my God. Um, she is, you're going to feel old. Uh-oh. She was born in 1991. Oh my God. I know. Don't really? you feel like you have just been like doing a failure? In my life? <laughs> it took us this long just to start. Let's get lit. Yeah. And I know. it's no a place for us, but we're working on it. It yeah. is a place for us. Literally you and me. And literally, hopefully the, you know, our moms who are listening and maybe other people. I didn't even people. tell my mom about this. Oh, my mom doesn't know about this either, okay. but they'll find out. They know everything. I know. Um, but that's really depressing. It reminds me of The Outsiders. What was that author's name? S.E. something or other? Hinton, I want to say, but that could be wrong. I don't know. But was... she was like 16 when she wrote that book. Are you kidding? No, and I remember thinking, I think we read it when we were in probably seventh grade, and I thought, great, I am also going to write the next great American novel at 16, but... My diary entries suggest otherwise. <laughs> there should be an entire podcast of just you reading your diary entries. I mean, some feelings might get hurt. I had, I had enemies. 
<laughs> we don't need to go there. Let's learn more about this book. Um, so, so how old does that make her? I can't do math. She's um, 27. Jesus. That's right? young. Right? I remember being 27. And, and think of the fact that this book was published. So she didn't even like write it when she was 27. She probably wrote it when she was uh, like 25 or 26. Oh my God. That's Have really depressing. Have you seen depressing. any interviews with her either? She's just. I a, haven't yet. She's so full of grace. Of course she is. She's, she's just poised this, like, and intelligent. Yes. And she's beautiful. Do you think she is 2020 vision? She doesn't wear glasses. Uh, so from what I can tell. We already have something in common. Yeah, I mean, you guys are basically like twinsies, and I'm over here just like the ugly stepsister. I've always thought that. <laughs> you and Hillary Duff have that in common. We Hashtag do. A, cyl- a, a cylinder. I can't talk today. Cinderella. Hashtag cylinder. <laughs> Hashtag cylinder story. <laughs> oh, we amuse ourselves. Um, well, those are some pretty fun facts. They are fun facts. Um, also, the... Well, the protagonist of the book is... I'm going to... I'm going to... Butcher these names, you're afraid? No, I'm not afraid I'm going to butcher the names because I just know it, so it's not like a fear, you know, where you're like, this might happen. You're like, I'm definitely going to mess this up. Kind of like Mancuso in A Confederacy of Dunces, who you call Manusco the whole time. Which, okay, you know why? (laughs) Because in Orange is the New Black, there's... Mm -hmm. One of the prison's guard name, I think, is Minusco. So it's just already it's, embedded yes, in your head. Yes, and I get so it. that's what happened. Apparently, I'm not the kind of reader I thought I was. Yeah, well, you don't read things correctly. I don't speak words correctly. We all have our problems. I put this on our Twitter the other day because it came off of Goodreads Twitter, which is basically all I do is just retweet Goodreads Twitter because it's so good. Yeah. But you should Good not reads. follow them and only follow our Twitter because exactly. you'll get the same content, honestly. Fair. And also some good animal videos. I've been putting up some animal blooper videos on there oh for my no God, reason. I might follow us. Other than I purely just find joy in it. The other day, I posted. Um, you just caught a fly with your hand. I know. As you're talking about cute animals, I know. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> I didn't want to have a black fly in my Chardonnay. That's fair. Oh, um, is that what we're drinking today? Well, I think that the drink pairing for this book is um, tea. I'm drinking black tea with soy milk in it. Yeah, I mean, after Halloween, I feel like our livers could definitely use a little bit of a rest. So it's probably for the best. And after last week, I showed up so drunk already <laughs> that when I listened to the podcast again, I was like, I don't remember having this conversation. But I will say, as I was listening to it, I still agreed with myself. That's so good. I think that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Drunk star and sober star, they have the same opinions. That's unusual with a lot of people. Yeah, some just slur more than others. And actually, I think sober mm. star slurs more than drunk that's star does. That's true. I think it <laughs> takes the edge off. Um, so why we picked this one, it was, it's been super well reviewed. It just came out. It's brand new. It came out, uh, June 12th of 2018, which was not that long ago. This is so fresh and new. I know. We are so young and hip and cool and with it. I know. I know. Which I'm normally not. It's like we're born in 1992 or was it one? I don't think that's, I still don't think that's young. I feel like young. I don't know. I feel like to be like really cool, you you had to be born in the the aughts. Right? Like, because 18, it's 2018. 
that's so sad. like so you have to if be you're under not 18 a, you to be cool. ha- yeah i mean you have to be underage nobody who's of age is cool anymore but no one who Unless, can't get into a bar is cool well no because i think what happens is you're really cool until you're like 18 I mean, you'll have to explain this and to then, me. I've never been cool. I read Harry Potter. Well, I told you. You have the potential to be cool until you're about 18. And then what happens is there's too many people. And so everyone finds their own people. And, like, they have a smaller social circle. And so you don't have the opportunity to, like, be cool anymore because there's not, like, the cool kids and the uncool kids anymore. Yeah. It's just like everyone's a person and is accepted and loved for who they are within their own peers. Which I think most people would call it gets better. But in your case, you seem to be like, oh, you just really lose the ability to climb to the top of the social ladder. You do, unless you like are a social media maven, in which case you can be, again, a big fish in a big pond. Yeah. But I mean, really, once it gets better... If you're popular, it gets worse. It's true. So hopefully you're unpopular now if you're under 18 because that's the only way it's going to get better. Yeah. If you're popular and you're listening to this and you're under 18. Just give up. <laughs> don't. Okay. Give up. That doesn't mean anything bad. Why do you always assume the worst? I just mean like give up trying to be popular because it's not worth it. Like you're not going to be cool anymore. So just read Harry Potter and move on with your life. It is a big letdown when you realize that being cool when you're under 18 doesn't matter for the rest of anything. No, it doesn't. I remember going to college and trying to explain to people like you guys, I was kind of a big deal in high school. I had friends and stuff. Yeah. And they were like, I don't know you. And I'm like, but people knew me one time are people popular at all girls schools so the thing about being in an all girls school is everyone thinks they're the it group oh really and so everyone's like friend of 10 to 15 people is like we are the popular ones and no one talks to each other and they just assume and there's no homecoming queen to like prove or disprove that so you just all walk around with really inflated egos and it's really great and it's why a lot of people who go to all girls schools have high self-confidence it's not the lack of boys it's just the belief that we all think we're the queen bee anyway so getting back to the task at hand do you want to give us a little overview of what we're reading yeah and I think probably just reading from the book jacket is probably the most relevant place to start. So can you do that? Because obviously I can't read out loud. I mean, I liked your last attempt, (laughs) but let me not criticize you until I go. Here we go, guys. As an Indian wedding gathers a family back together, parents Rafiq and Layla must reckon with the choices their children have made. You sound really pretentious. Because I'm pronouncing words correctly? Yeah. Okay. Well... (laughs) So, Brandy's jealous. I'll keep going. There's Hadia, the headstrong eldest daughter, whose marriage is a match made of love and not tradition. Huda, the middle child, determined to follow in her sister's footsteps. And lastly, their estranged son, Amar, who returns to the family fold for the first time in three years to take his place as brother of the bride. Do I still sound... You sound like you're announcing the prizes on Prices Right. Okay, how would you like, like me to read this? The showcase showdown. I think that's and... the right way to read it. Okay, <laughs> now I'm gonna get emotional. What secrets and betrayals have caused this close knit family to fracture? Can Amar find his way back to the people who know and love him best? <laughs> 
A Place for Us takes us back to the beginning of this family's life, from bonds that hold them together to the differences that pull them apart. All the joy and struggle of family life are here, from Rafiq and Layla's own arrival in America from India to the years in which their children, each in his or her own way, tread between two cultures, seeking to find their place in the world as well as a path home. Place in the world, place for us. I'm seeing something here. A Place for Us is a book for our times, an astonishingly tender-hearted novel of you identity and up. belonging. What are you talking about? You said astonishingly. That's what it says. <laughs> it says astonishingly. Don't read it. It's a word. No one look it up. Everyone believe me. An astonishingly or astonishingly, Brandy's a bitch, tender-hearted <laughs> novel of identity and belonging and a resonant portrait of what it means to be an American family today. It announces Fatima Farheen Mirza as a major new literary talent. That's beautiful. I may have done Don't damage book. that book too much because we're going to do a giveaway. Well, there you go. Now they have the real deal. Um, so despite the fact that I was heckled during my <laughs> reading of that summary because Brandy is feeling so self-conscious of her prior reading... I feel like the book is sounding definitely up my alley. I love books, movies, TV shows, anything that has to do with like a family narrative where everyone has their own opinions and everyone sees things differently. And it just sounds like it's going to be really emotional and poignant, which I feel like has been lacking in our last two books, which have been a little bit more smutty. Yeah. Like I don't think I've, Probably in our last two books, I haven't felt a connection to the characters, and I'm thinking I am going to feel all of the things for these people, or at least that's my hope and why I want to read this book. Yeah, I think so too. To be honest, I feel like kind of bummed that we picked the first two books as our first two books for this podcast because I really wanted to love one of them. And I didn't love The problem either. is when you haven't read a book, you don't know if you love it. And to be clear, I. I don't know, somewhere between liked and loved Confederacy of Dunces, the farther away we get from it, the more I love it. I hated Witches of Eastwick, which you all know, like (laughs) hated with every fiber of my being. So I'm really hoping this one can be a book I truly just wholeheartedly love. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like this is a book that, like you said, is kind of right up my alley. Um, it's supposed to be set kind of close to where we are in the Bay Area. It's within our, you know, age or age time frame. So I feel like we're going to probably be experiencing or we'll have experienced similar things in like the larger kind of cultural sense that they experienced. So I'm excited about that aspect of it. And also, I just feel like this seems like the family dramas that I love. I love... Like, what kind of family dramas do you love? Like, in other books or just in general, you love drama when it comes to families? I do love to hear other people's family dramas just in real life when people are like, this is everything that's going on in my life. And I'm like, wow, my family's pretty messed up and not that bad. Yeah, I mean... I mean, sorry I'm boring you, but, you know, family drama. No, 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 you're not boring me. I was just yawning because I needed more air because I'm about to talk. Okay, go. (laughs) I guess the family dramas that I like, and I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't make me sound, like, very basic, but I enjoy a good sitcom, and, like, if you take a look at any of the sitcoms I ch- that happened, at, you know, in our youth that were slightly unbelievable, like, friends and stuff, mm-hmm. I just really can't get enough of, like, the simple day-to-day annoyances and dramas that happen in life for some reason and I cannot put my finger on why I think they're the most interesting while also being the least interesting stories yeah does that make any sense it does make sense 
I guess lots of people like sitcoms. I'm not the only one. No, a lot of people like sitcoms. I can't really think of, well, I guess, like, Family Matters. I used to love that. I Full used House. To, I was just going to say Full House. Um, step by Step. There's a lot of them that I used to love. And then just family dramas, too. Which one was Step by Step? Day by day by day. I know. I know the song, but I can't remember the... Um, I mean, basically we another family. It. Yeah, Alan Thicke. Oh. R.I.P. With, um, I don't know how else to describe that show. Leo was, just was in another... it. Okay. Baby Leo. Uh, wasn't that Growing Pains? Oh, that was Growing Pains. I was like, I remember oh, very... Oh, Susan Sarandon. That's the one. Susan Sarandon? Is this, or uh, Suzanne Summers? Yes, that's okay. better. That's better. Sorry, I was I'm like, really... I don't think so. I think you're still caught on Witches of Eastwick, but it's fine. I get it. We're moving no, at a Suzanne quicker Summers pace. With, with Suzanne Summers. Oh my gosh, Suzanne Summers, Basically. right? That's her name. Yeah, Suzanne Summers. But yeah, definitely a big fan of all of those. And then like, wait, did you not like Growing Pains? Are you kidding me? Like, I came into my womanhood watching Growing Pains, Leo. But I, I won't get into that because you said I had to keep this podcast PG thirteen. Well, so and far, I can't do that and have, have this conversation honestly. I mean, I don't think we've. Well, I mean, it's your fault. You were the one that picked Witches of Eastwick. How was... can we talk about that in a way that's anything less than triple X? I feel like we've really got to let that one go. Yeah, okay. I'm not <laughs> going to get over it anytime soon, but, like, sure. It's fine. So back to this one. I'm definitely really excited. I like a lot of shows that are kind of family drama type, like Parenthood and This Is Us. Are, like, This Is Us is playing right now. Obviously, they're both written by the same person. So, you know, clearly my tastes are really diverse. I haven't actually watched either one of those. You're in for a treat if you ever get around to really? it. I'm pretty sure Parenthood is on Netflix. I actually prefer it to This Is Us because I feel like This Is Us, as much as I love it, but it is like it's a depressing. emotion porn. Like, they are straight up like, I'm going to do the saddest thing I can think of. So, like, you have to be a sociopath not to cry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sobbing. But, like, that was the easy make me cry. Like, could you be a little bit more subtle about it, you know? I remembered vaguely some drama about, like, a crock pot. But that's all I know. I mean, I'm not going to give it away. But there's definitely drama about a crock pot. <laughs> and if you have a crock pot, you should throw it away because it's too soon. No, because a crock pot made a big deal about the fact that, that they don't burn things down. So I guess you already know a I mean, key plot point. I know that a crock pot makes things burn down, but that's all I know. And I have an instant pot anyway because as we know... You need it quicker. My life partner has a lot of feelings about small kitchen appliances. You've got a, I'm looking around your kitchen right now. You have all of the small kitchen appliances. It's really unnecessary. Literally I even have all an, of them. Yeah, no, you can't even see the air fryer and the two different size crock pots and rice cooker. But They're I can hidden. feel them. And we live in a very tiny apartment, so for reference... And there's just two of you. You are, I mean... No, there's two people. Only one of us cooks, and that's me. Yeah. And... I don't use small appliances, so they're purely decorative appliances in our kitchen, which is totally unrelated to anything, but I just needed to get that out there. I don't know. I feel like families use appliances, so they it's true. very I wonder if there's any small kitchen appliance drama in this book. I hope there is, but if not, we'll just have to, you know, soldier on and make do. But in addition to it being a family drama, I think it's also supposed to be kind of a romance. Oh, finally. I do love a good romance, like, secretly. I'm not going to admit to it. And honestly, I thought 
just admitted to it. I mean, <laughs> but just like, uh, yeah, I mean, my cold dead heart likes to pitter-patter and have a reason to keep on beating. And Lord knows the people I date are not going to give me any reason for that. That's so fair. I got to get it from books and shows and music and anything that's not real. I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about for reading this book because as much as I love family dramas, I think that I love a good romance more. I think what are your fam- favorite romance novels or favorite romance anything? I feel like most of the books that I read have some aspect of romance in them, even if it's not like a direct relationship romance, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. I love a lot of like deep friendship novels and stuff like that too. I was just going to say some of my favorite quote unquote romance anythings are like female obsession where it's like they're so... Just like connecting on like a deeper level, like yeah, yeah, sisterhood yeah, or something yeah, yeah. of that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Um, but yeah, but or like the fried green tomatoes type thing. Well, I guess there was actually like a real lesbian romance involved there, but oh, I digress. In the book, not so much in the movie. Oh, it was kind of it was a little Mary Louise Parker getting spicy, but but I do. It's that kind of like basically that unconditional love or that it's like it's stronger than any other bond and it doesn't matter what kind of life throws at you like that love whatever that is if it's romantic if it's familial love if it's friendship love just that that where it like stands the test of time and nothing is stronger than that that always just you know warms my cold dead heart well it's like the love you have for a dog that oh, just don't doesn't even get me started. exist outside of the realm of loving your pet. Your oh don't my cry. god, my dog! Don't <laughs> even get me going. I I think just the other day. I mean, every ten seconds of my life, I look at my dog, and I'm like, I'm not. You know, I think this is relevant too because this seems to be a spiritual book. I am not a spiritual person, but when I look at my dog, it is like a spiritual moment because it makes me remember to be thankful. Like I'll look at my yeah. dog and be thinking thank god for my dog and think you know think i'm thankful for this and that whatever whenever i look at my dog it makes me remember what to be thankful for because it's just the purest love and i know i'm a crazy dog lady i have no apologies and no no nor should you i think it's one of those things where you know love exists in all sorts of forms and i think sometimes especially in real life just the kind of love that you have with people in a day-to-day basis seems kind of benign sometimes mm-hmm. and I think that getting it in a book is probably similar to getting it into it in an animal where there's no like bad consequences there's no it. risk you know, there's no risk involved because you know when you love an animal you know for a fact that they're gonna love you mm-hmm. for their entire life and be but you also with know you. for most animals unless you have a bird that you love kind of flashing back to confederacy most animals don't live as long as we do. So there is always, anytime you love, there's also loss. And whether it's it's a breakup or a death or something, I mean, you you can't have that kind of, like, joy without also experiencing that complete lack of it. That's true. But I also feel like the kind of loss of when you lose an animal 
is a little bit different because it still has that kind of purity. It's not like they rejected you. No. Like, there's nothing personal about it. It's like you were able to <laughs> Nothing love personal. Them I just gotta go die. Bye. Well, but it's different than, like, you know, if you were to have a breakup or, or something like that. Because I or think have when, someone actually reject you. Your your pet will never reject you. Yeah. A book will never reject you. Or even like if you have a person who's a partner, it's still... You don't necessarily know or expect that they'll pass away. Whereas like when you have an animal, you know that... Like you go You're into that... You're expecting it eventually. Exactly. You, know, you go into it knowing like that's the deal and I will love you with every little bit of my heart for the whole time it exists. And I feel like we got really off topic. I feel like this is the real topic. But I do think that there is a side to love too where it's like there is the love lost or Mm -hmm. there is kind of my understanding of, you know, what I've heard about this book is that it's kind of a star-crossed lover affair, which you know how much I love that. Romeo and Juliet, Titanic, obviously anything that involves Leo right up my alley. Really likes to play with my emotions, that man. Love him. Blood diamond. Okay, well, that's not as much romantic, (laughs) but yeah, thanks for making me cry in all of the ways, Leo. Um, But it was funny because when I first read this title, it immediately made me think of West Side Story and that song in there, which talks about a place for us. I'm not going to sing it. sing it. You know the people deserve better. I'll let you sing because Brandy's actually a much better singer than me. But I think it's like the song's called Somewhere. Um, but when we the were only... Googling it, so to be clear, like we don't have confirmation that this is based on it. But a lot of the reviews that I read mentioned like it's a very kind of relevant connection. So it sounds like there is going to be some kind of coupling where, you know... Yeah. The odds are against them. Maybe the family's against them. Maybe it's one of those things where the family doesn't approve of someone someone loves. I don't know. But I'm pumped. Who does, I better though? cry. I feel like even in the best relationships, your family's always like, mm. Is that true? I mean, I just don't tell my family about anyone I date. So You don't, but because of that, I feel like your family just assumes you don't ever date. I mean, let's hope so. <laughs> Are you trying to sneakily eat a cracker right now? I'm trying to, but you're not letting me get away with it at all. So I guess I'll just keep breaking it into smaller pieces. I'm trying to... So obviously you guys you can't, can't see me, which is for the best. I keep trying to break the cracker into really small pieces. Like a piece that is small enough that you wouldn't be able to hear me chew it. But then I keep realizing it's a cracker and yeah, it's probably gonna say, not going to happen ever. You can't do that with a cracker. Just eat the you cracker. You don't know what I'm capable of. <laughs> do you guys hear that? Because it's the tiniest cracker I could she's for reference right now Star is literally eating crackers that are like the size of breadcrumbs it was at one point a full silver a full dollar on size cracker. cracker well I, I did my best in your cleavage though well you know treat for later maybe I'll have my own romance on my way out today good luck anyways that's a great way to hit on someone be like hey I hey, I have some food earlier. here. Can you help me out? How do you feel about, I don't know, cracker Tit sounds crackers. weird. Yeah. How, I should drop something Tit more crumbs. appealing. Be like, oh no, I dropped some chocolate in here. Can you please help me get it out? I don't think your fingers will fit. I think you'll have to use your tongue. NC-17, sorry. <laughs> you should probably do like voiceover, like... Southern Belle or whatever that was. Porn. Oh my god, I wish. That would be a dream come true. 
What's but that thing that people are those into, who like, can't the phone sex reality? podcast. I think you probably could though. I mean, judging by how I sexy could you just phone sound, sex? yeah. I don't know. I I I don't think so. But there's you know, to each their own. There's someone for everyone. If you jack off to the sound of my voice, please let me know. I'm interested in dating you. I have very low standards these days. I feel like you gotta bleep out that part for your own well-being. <laughs> I mean, my name is... We are using our porn names here. Okay, so you can Nothing's also off limits, listen but sure. to Star's other podcasts. Star undressed. <laughs> <laughs> undressed and unfiltered. Because Brandy won't let me be me. I feel like I have not, like... I feel like no one sees the eyes she gives me and the judgment I get. I feel like we're going to have to start recording these back to back. No, because if someone saw my face right now, they'd be like, who's this heinous beast and why is anyone letting her talk? Or you have the perfect face for radio. Exactly. The perfect first for radio. You got a first radio. (laughs) This tea is real strong. We can't even blame it today. Like, this is us sober. This is who we are. This is why we're usually drinking, guys. And gals. Hopefully more gals than guys. Just kidding. We're fine with everyone. Ooh, if there's a guy who listens to our podcast, you should send us an email and just say, hey, I'm a guy. Because hey, I'm a guy. I feel like we are basically the podcast version of a Bechdel test. Okay. And is that how you pronounce it? I am not judging. I just have never known. I've only ever read it. How do you pronounce it? Bechdel in my head because I've never heard it out loud. I'm pretty sure it's Bechdel. Okay. If someone could tell us how to pronounce it so we don't sound stupid, that would be great. I mean, you're gonna have to start with that. To you're gonna make have us to start with that. Okay. I see what you did there. <laughs> You just did that. Enjoy your cracker. I hope your date later grabs those crumbs out seductively. I'm dropping as many crumbs as I possibly can. I don't own a vacuum. Well, that's your problem. (laughs) I'm just gonna, you know, leave crumbs all over this place and then I'm gonna take this show on the road. Anyway, so this is a romance. It's a romance. Don't you feel romantic right now? Not particularly. Well, I, I haven't had enough booby crumbs lately to feel romantic. You're the one that's engaged. I know, but I feel like that's what happens once you get engaged. You're like, oh. You stop feeling romantic. Well, it's not that you stop feeling romantic. You just, you don't have to You're try like, anymore. You're like, I got the ring, exactly. so I'm done. You're like, I don't have to drop bits of food into my bra just effort. to attract a man. Exactly. Oh, things to look forward to, I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, I wouldn't say that it's the best thing, but it's not the worst. So, um, one of the other things I'm excited about reading in this book is that I feel like it kind of falls in line with the same time frame that we grew up. And I was thinking when I was... What time frame does it take place in? Did it say? Well, it's like the early 2000s from what I can tell. Like, it's it's a coming of age story, which I also am super excited about because those tend to be high on my list of fun books to read or also slightly depressing I do like, even today, I like anything that is a coming-of-age story because I feel like no matter what age you are, like, I mean, I I feel like it's fine to say we both recently turned 30. Like, (gasps) I think, I know, I feel it too. My back hurts. I turned 31. I mean, that's embarrassing. You shouldn't tell people that. I'm just kidding. Actually, to be fair, by the time this podcast releases, I will be 31. You're right. Next week, you'll be 31. That's... That's a thing. I won't be. I am well, young and spry. What are you going to get me for my birthday? I don't know. Pr- 
probably some crackers because I just ate all of yours. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Whatever you want. Whatever Lola wants, you will get. I'll probably get you some alcohol. Maybe I'll get you a new book. I'll get you the next book we're reading. Lola wants. I know. I'll let you pick the next book we're reading. Ooh. That's probably the best gift ooh. ever. Ooh. Ooh. Wait. What should I pick? What month are we in? We're in... We're in November now. So maybe we're already reading something about family because we want to be... Like Thanksgiving, things we're thankful oh. for. So what could come next? Are we? But if it's gonna be like around Thanksgiving, I feel like food. We should, I mean, food or whatever. Also, but I feel like something about oh. the man and how America, like pilgrims or like Native mm, Americans. Yeah, that we just. I don't know. I'm gonna have to look into it a little bit. But let's possi- look up what Thanksgiving is about. Well, I know what Thanksgiving is about. It's about turkey. And mashed potatoes and stuffing. And also the, like, total shit that America was to Native people. Yeah. Um, also just, like, the destruction of a Native what, group of people. But, like, that's depressing. What's the word depressing. that I was looking for? Um, genocide? No. <laughs> you that want our next book to be for. about genocide? No, I don't really. But um, I think it, it should be a book about maybe a nonfiction. I'll have to look into it. Oh, we it. haven't done nonfiction. We yet. haven't. But I'm thinking some good nonfiction about Native American people. Okay. Because I don't know any, so you'll have to, like, spearhead this. Okay. Next episode, I'll let you guys know what we're reading next. Yeah. I mean, step one, we got to read a place for oh, us. Actually, if you wouldn't mind shooting me a little tweet tweet and letting me know what books we should read about... Potentially Thanksgiving related and or Native American yeah, people. Yeah, early birthday gift to Brandy. Do her one job for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make my life easier. But I, I genuinely do want some input here because I feel like I think it's important that we read about that kind of stuff in addition. Yeah. You know, I think that I, I do like reading nonfiction a lot and I kind of tend to go on benders in nonfiction and then benders in fiction and I feel like I'm on a fiction bender right now so a good want to shake it up yeah a good nonfiction but that's also a story would be ideal so I don't know if you can figure that out this is this sounds like someone else's problem for sure as like yours. Mine. I was going to say, is this, is this I someone mean, else's problem? Either right now? your problem, our listener's problem, anyone but Star's problem is what I'm taking away from this. Well, okay. Because I'm still 30, flirty, and thriving. Or barely surviving. You take your pick. Says crumb tits. Whatever. <laughs> this is. I, this is how I live, man. You are going to be hungry, and I'm going to be like, I have snacks for later. I will never die. So, I feel like in our past couple episodes, you've been talking about your like massive hypochondria and how you're dying from a gazillion tumors all up in your body. I mean, I'm always dying of something. Right now, it's not really related to tumors so much as like, uh, I mean, I don't want to tell you because what if I die of this thing and then you guys have to listen to this and it's really tragic. I don't want to hurt anyone. Are you serious right now? I feel like you want to talk about this. So I feel like I've been waking up a lot in the middle of the night. So I've decided I probably have sleep apnea. And since I'm alone, like I have no one around to like prove or disprove if I stop sleeping or well, I'm definitely stopping sleeping, but if I stop breathing while I'm sleeping. So I feel like I'm probably going to die in my sleep, which honestly is the best way to go. But I think it's just going to happen. It's going to be really awkward because okay. I sleep naked. So there's so many ways that they can test for sleep apnea. But you know, my mom is a CPAP now. Well, 
I know. She was she was having apnea incidents like 98 times a night. That's a lot. Which is like close to basically being dead. That so, issue though, like, so I, I mean, as you, you know, I go to the doctor. It's not like I am someone that's like, I should go to a doctor. I go all the time. And I definitely will share my symptoms and I'm like, you know, just casually going to drop this in. Like, I don't know, maybe I have sleep apnea. And they're like, mm, I don't think you have sleep apnea. So I think next time I'm going to say, no one telling me. So I have a partner who shares my bed every night. Seriously, I have a witness. And they say that I am snoring really severely and that I stop breathing for minutes at a time. And I'm really concerned about this because okay. I feel like a zombie all day. If and then they'll you, be like, ma'am, I think we need to get you in a sleep study. If you had a partner who just laid there while you stopped breathing for minutes <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like most of the partners I've had. <laughs> okay, but actually, so that you don't have to go into a sleep study. They have these little thingies that they give you and it's just like a little what? finger monitor. A finger monitor? Yeah, like a s- heart rate? Yeah. So, I know my heart rate. Well, you do it when you're sleeping. Your heart rate. So, couldn't I do that, like, from my phone, per se? I don't know. How do you get your heart rate You know what I think I'm going to do? I think they have snoring apps where you can be, like, how, like, where it tells you, like, this is how much of the night you're snoring. Because I know I snore, but I don't know if I do, like, the apnea snore. Do you know what I'm saying? Where it's, like, there's the... That's, like, the calm, pleasant snoring. Or there's the... Like, that's an apnea snore. I need to find this out. Well, you spent way too long on YouTube. Whatever. I'm dying, guys. I'm really worried about my sleep apnea that I haven't been diagnosed with. But it's, it is objectively the best way to go in your sleep. Okay. How Whatever. You, have you just actually decided that? I fully decided it, but I also... But you're too young to die. Not necessarily. I'm 30. I know, but the thing I also is- just watched something on 60 Minutes the other day, like a lot of like 31-year-olds having heart attacks, and I'm like, really? well, I do have a lot of stress in my life over the fact that I think I'm about to die. This seems like a self-fulfilling Sometimes prophecy. when I'm really stressed out, I take my blood pressure, and I'm like, wow, that's really high, and then I'll like, you know, I don't know, get a little drunk, whatever, insert, you know, whatever to de-stress. And what then I'm like, oh, no, it's normal. What do you think I'm inserting to de-stress? I'm not going to say you won't let me make brush. this. Yeah, my electric toothbrush. <laughs> I brush my teeth. <laughs> and then I'm like, wow, this is like a pretty, my heart rate is elevated slightly, but my blood pressure is much lower. And so I don't brushing know what that teeth, says. Brushing your teeth, guys. That's the key. The key to longevity is brushing your teeth. You should listen to the hypochondriac in the room. I don't know. Now I'm thinking, like, we probably should have had a health podcast where I could be like, this is why I'm going to die, and this is why we're all going to die. It's fine. You can probably have a, a spinoff, which is like... A spinoff from, I read books, and because I read books, I know I'm going to die. Yeah. We're all going to die. Spoiler oh, alert. Sorry, yeah. I know this is the non-spoiler podcast, but every single person listening to this is going to die at some point, so get off your high horse. Brandy, you're going to die, too. You're going to feel really bad if I'm dead by the time this podcast is released. I mean, probably. Mostly because you do all of the work and I (laughs) wouldn't know how to keep recording this if you die. But also because I love you. Aw. Romance. Family. And we come full circle. It all comes around. So the one thing I was thinking about when we were looking up this book is the fact that it came around around, um, yeah, the, the early 2000s, like late 90s. And I remember... I mean, you obviously remember, too, where you were during 9-11, and I assume this book is going to touch on it. Doesn't it say that in the book jacket cover? Yeah. And, And, I mean, this is a Muslim-American family, so I'm sure they experienced it a lot differently than we did. 
Probably. But that made me think of when we were in... Eighth grade. Eighth grade. And 9-11 happened. And it was just very bizarre. Because I think it was the first time in my life where I realized that like the world wasn't a bubble and going to continue to be the way that it was. It really helped warm me up for the fucking clusterfuck that was the rest of my life once that I was, started paying yeah. attention to politics. But... That was, I think... It sounds stupid, but that was truly the end of our innocence. Like, yeah. in all respects. And I will also say, I don't know if you remember this moment, but I remember, so we came to school that day, and it, obviously we all knew what was happening. It was very horrible and scary and upsetting. I remember I was on the phone with one of our other mutual friends that morning being like, oh my God, can you believe this? This is crazy. And when I walked in that morning, I saw you on the couch sobbing. And I remember thinking... Why is she crying? What's wrong? And then I had this moment of, oh, duh. And for some reason, that made me realize how serious it was because you're so unemotional, like as a general rule. But the fact that you were sitting there like displaying emotion so publicly, like that was the moment that I realized it was a big deal because we were so young, too, where I was like, this is sad, but I didn't really understand what it I didn't really understand. I didn't under stand at all what it meant and then for some reason seeing you react that way made me be like oh this must be like the real deal well it was kind of a bizarre thing when it when it happened because I remember getting a when my mom got a phone call early in the morning like 4 a.m that mm-hmm. day that because we were our, pacific time well no it was before it was before this happened oh she got a phone call that one of her friends had like our family friend had had a heart attack Oh and God. was in the hospital, and it was, like, a close family friend. And so she woke us up to, like, me and my sister to tell us, so-and-so is in the hospital, they might not make it, like, blah, 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 blah. And then she woke us up again a couple hours later and said, you need to come into the living room. And I thought what she was going to say was that this person had died. Yeah. But then it was 9-11 happening, and I just remember the whole day feeling so surreal that I just could not process those things. And then when she found, she got a call and she called us at the school because everyone was calling her at school. My mom called at the school later that day to say that her friend was okay and that like family friend was going to be fine and was in recovery. And I remember being so disappointed that like the good news she said she was going to share with us wasn't like, oh, this was a hoax and, like, this didn't actually happen. Because you had two bad pieces of news. Yeah, yeah, I had two bad pieces of news, but one seemed like something that was a normal piece of bad news that I could process and deal with, and the other one was just so large and overwhelming that I had no idea how to even begin processing it. Yeah, I just... it, It is weird, because I remember that day, and I remember... Like I said, kind of reacting to the way other people were reacting. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like I thought, like, I didn't cry. I didn't feel very emotional about it. I was a total brat and was like, why are they not playing my favorite TV shows? I have shit to do. Like, just, you know, typical child with no empathy. Hopefully I've grown out of that. We were very lucky and very sheltered. Yeah, and I, I remember my mom came that day to pick me up from school and I had an after school activity actually I think we were doing like peer mediation that day mm-hmm. um and my mom was like I just came like usually I would walk home and she was like I just felt like I needed to see someone in my family and you were the closest person so you know I came to pick you up and I was like oh man I have to stay and I could have gotten a ride home like everything was about me that day I mm-hmm. 
nothing at all was like I wasn't taking anything seriously and I was just very not understanding why everyone around me was so upset and then I think it was kind of like the days afterwards like again just seeing other people's reactions and then I also think seeing you know things we were hearing from other people either our peers or people in the media talking negatively about you know people that were muslim and calling everyone terrorists and how we saw the way it was affecting the communities and i feel like that was actually the part that was more scary to me was starting to see kind of the racism and the hatred that started to bubble up because i think being on the west coast we were a little bit reserved from it and I also probably was just not mature enough to understand what was happening but I remember the way people started talking Mm -hmm. and the kind of language that started to be okay and the kind of groups we started to lump people into and how suddenly like you know everything was just in the name of patriotism and if you opposed anyone who said something you didn't agree with but it was like pro-america then that was the most unpatriotic thing it was a weird time and i think it was weird for us kind of being that like 13 year old age where we were truly like right on the cusp of you know being young adults and i don't know i i am interested to see how this book kind of handles that because obviously the family at hand is a Muslim American family, so I'm sure they'll be the subject of a lot of the kind of hate that we were hearing and seeing at that time. But I think also, like, there was hate involved, but there was also, like, a lot of people who actively were trying to change that narrative. You know, I think that there was, like, a lot of... There were a lot of people at the time who were trying to be, you know, trying to involve themselves in the community. It was just a weird time for us, because, like you said, we were 13, you're just trying to fit in and figure out, like, who You're your like, people I are. I have you want... so many pimples, guys. <laughs> you just want everybody to like you. And I think it was this this time where, like, I mean, we lived in a not a super diverse area, but it was also a really liberal area. It was also very, like, it, in the Bay Area. So yeah. we were kind of in this very caucasian middle class enclave yeah. that's adjacent to San Francisco. So yeah. it's not as if... You know, we were just in this Midwestern bubble, but we were kind of like a bubble within a broader demographic. Yeah, totally. Which, I mean, it just put... I feel like no matter where you were during that time, you were in a weird place because people had to figure out how to come to terms with these things. I do remember, though, this was a really... I don't know why this stuck in my mind so well, but we had an exchange student in our school who was from Russia. Do you remember that? And, I do. I and, won't say their name, but I remember. And on the day, on 9-11, we were talking to them, and they very cavalierly said, like, I don't understand what the big deal is. This happens in Russia all the time. Yeah. And I think that they were probably playing it down a little bit because um, I don't think that, I mean, they were the same age as us. I don't think that they actually understood what the consequences there were. And I also felt at the time like very resentful that they were saying that it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Well, to minimize the way that everyone else was feeling and this was a big deal for everyone in our country at that time. But, I mean, in hindsight, I look at it and I feel so badly for that person. that that they Well, that they came from Russia where this was 
this Normal, was something that was yeah that was that they were dealing with on a regular basis where the rest of the world didn't really seem to care too much about it but when something happens in America that everyone was freaking out well for us i think that was the and not to say terrorism existed before yeah. but that was when i understood what terrorism meant like i had heard yeah. this word kind of casually but it didn't mean anything to me i don't know if i'd even i can't even recall knowing what the word terrorist meant prior to that i mean I don't know of any, like, in America, any, like, big bombings or anything like that that happened. Well, like, the Unabomber. Yeah, but but that was, I know, but that, I, but I get, but that's what, I knew what the word meant, but I didn't have, like, it wasn't a colloquialism, or it Mm -hmm. wasn't a word that we used all of the time, at Mm -hmm. least as a child. Obviously, people who are a little bit older had experienced, you know, with this previously, but... It definitely, that was a turning point for everyone. So it's also funny because, you know, kind of in the recent years following 9-11, I avoided a lot of media, a lot of movies. There were a lot of shows and books that had to do with it just because I think all of us who lived through it felt like it was very raw, even for, I feel like someone like me, no one could be farther separated from it than me. I didn't know anyone who was affected by it, I just knew of people. So I think that's actually pretty rare because most people had some sort of connection. And, mm-hmm. you know, also being far away from people it affected it kind of put me at a distance, but it still was a very formative moment in my life. And mm-hmm. I think for any of us that kind of grew up around it. And, yeah, I just, I never wanted to read about it. I never felt like, I've always thought of books in particular as something that's a bit of an escape and I didn't mm-hmm. want to read about something that felt like real life. And I feel like yeah. everything post 9-11 has been so depressing. And so, like, things have been getting worse. Like, I felt like that was kind of a turning point where suddenly felt we felt like the world was turning to shit. I'm curious, though. I mean, because we did have, like, there was a time where things felt like they were a little bit better. But I am curious if... If that actually, if that, that was part of growing up, you know what I mean? If that's like, not, not that like a terrorist attack is part of growing up, but if there just is a point in your life where you lose your innocence and you start seeing that the world isn't like this nice place where things rhyme and your family protects you and like your parents are not real people. They're like, they have these like God figures, you know, it's like, it's overwhelming. It's not an easy thing to try to think about. No. But I'm curious if that's, I mean, I guess... I don't, I only know people who grew up during that time. I don't really have conversations with children who were born after 9-11. That's true. You know, but there's lots of them now and they're actual people who do real things and their entire world existed post 9-11. So I wonder what their life is like. I don't know. If you're young and you were born post 9-11, please let me know because I want to know what your life is like. Or how you even view that event and... You know, learning about it as history versus something you lived yourself. And I think that kind of brings us back to one of the things I love the most about coming-of-age stories, which is, you know, that moment of the loss of innocence where people start to feel like they're becoming not necessarily adults, but where their childhood is left behind or, like, Mm -hmm. the lack of responsibility where you have to start caring about things and you have to start to be responsible for yourself and for other people and also 
you know, considering that your actions have consequences and nothing is in a vacuum. And I think that's why these stories kind of resonate with everyone because mm-hmm. we feel these things at all different parts of our life. But I mean, I'm definitely feeling kind of connected to this book just in the time frame it is set in because like you said, that's kind of the time we came of age too. Yeah. And it was a big turning point. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I know. I haven't, like, it's weird to even talk about this because I don't think I've had an actual conversation about 9-11 in years. Yeah. I mean, in 9-11 itself, because there's been everything that has come after, but yeah. I mean, and I, I can't even imagine, like, just in thinking about this book, too, like, obviously, like we said, coming from a perspective of, an American family that Mm -hmm. is Muslim. I mean, we were in the Bay area at the Mm -hmm. time and we saw all of the kind of hatred and discrimination. I can only imagine how bad it was for people in other places, but I am kind of interested. It sounds like this book is set in the Bay area too, to kind Mm -hmm. of read about that. And one of my favorite things about books is actually having the ability to walk in someone's shoes, so to speak. And, you know, see how someone else experiences life. And Mm -hmm. it's something I've always wondered about and also felt a lot of shame over and not shame because I felt like I in any way participated or contributed to it, but shame in seeing the way our nation responded to it and Mm -hmm. how long it took people to recognize that the terrorists were not Muslim. The terrorists were terrorists. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with their religion. It had everything to do with who they were as people and we were just so quick to assign it to a religion and to a group of people and not think about it in the broader political context of why this was happening yeah i mean we could really go into a rabbit hole about this but i I feel like it's probably better to avoid the subject especially when we're sober (laughs) and i have crackers to eat (laughs) you know i do feel like it's it's one of those things where you look at what has changed in the country and it's it's interesting that on a micro scale and on a macro scale, things seem to progress in a similar way. Like there's these trials that you're put through and they change the way that, you know, the way that you react and respond to them both as an individual or as a community or a country, it changes and shapes the way that 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 thing grows into its adulthood, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's not always graceful and it's not always, you look back at it and you wish you'd done better, but you know, when you're exposed to something for the first time, you do the best that you can. I growing up is so hard. Growing up is so hard. I wish I was. Peter when are Pan. we grown up? Because I feel like we're still in process. Well, that's the funny thing is I feel like when I was, I feel like if I were to ask myself at like eleven or twelve, at thirty, if I would be doing okay. And I would feel like, yeah, you were super an adult at that yeah, age. Yeah, you were a full-on adult like, at you're, 30. Like, you're like an older adult. And I mean, who wouldn't ask a, an 11-year-old to tell us when that, you know, separation should well, happen? But I mean, I guess... Those wise 11-year-olds. I have no idea. I mean, maybe it happens for some people at different times, but there must be a time in your life... I guess there's moments in my life where I feel like wow, I feel like such an adult right now. Yeah. But a lot of the time I feel like, wow, someone just let me like have responsibility and pay my own bills. What? A hundred percent. Who let me do this? You or know? especially if anyone ever puts me in charge of children, I'm like, I'm a child too. Like 
if something happens, who's in charge here? And I'm always looking to the kids around me like, you're in charge, right? Not me. Like, we acknowledge I can't do anything. It's really tough. But it is you. I guess, but I mean, Speaking of it's which, putting a lot on me. You have a job and responsibility for next week, which is to make sure that you read this book so that we can talk about oh it. Oh, God. How many pages is this book? Do we know? Um, I feel like grab let's it. Look I'm not sure. Let's it's look. not super long. It's not. It looks like it's 382 pages, which is doable. I know we were saying, like, it'd be great if we had kind of started reading it by the first episode, but who are we as people? That's never going to happen. I can definitely read 382 pages in a night, no problem. This is a lie. Oh my god, no it's not. I'm going to start this the night before and you will be put to shame. I will, but you have to do your homework and prep for it. Anyway, um, so for our next episode... Let's we will have, have read it. Yes, we will have read the book. <laughs> we won't be just saying what we think it's about. We'll be like, let me tell you what it's about. We've read it. If you've read the book or you're in the process of reading it, we'd also really like to hear from you. So um, shoot us an email at letsgetlitpodcast at gmail.com and we will incorporate your feedback into our next episode. And I hope that you're as entertaining as star and I which is not that hard to do (laughs) it's a very low bar if you can't pass it I don't know what to tell you you maybe aren't an adult Ooh. also I hope you're following us on Instagram at let's get lit podcast because we do giveaways for all the books that we're reading yeah so if you haven't read this book and you want to this is your chance yeah or you can look at the next book we're reading we do release them like regularly so you'll have time to read it I'm not sure if we're gonna do this forever or just in the beginning I mean until we go broke right now we have jobs but like it's anyone's guess yeah how long we can keep this going it is kind of fun I like having a hard copy of the book so Me too and it's yeah it smells great the it book by does the way. sometimes I just walk by and take does a it little pass sniff. the sniff test this one does I'm really excited for this one yeah, I me hope too. we love it because like you said I I liked Confederacy of Dunces but again more after we read it so okay I want to love one from the get-go oh I love you from the get-go oh my god I love you from the get-go too and here we are and I love you podcast friends from the get-go I also love you from the get-go and I will love you forever and with that I hope you're getting literature. <laughs> literature, because today it's tea. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye.